Welcome back, everybody. It's another episode of Touched by Horse. I'm your co-host, Chris Angel, and we have our lovely hosts today, Jacqueline and Thomas Manzioni. Hello there. Hi, Chris. Out of uh, the Boulder, Colorado area, yes? Yeah. Beautiful country, beautiful country. Well, for everybody listening who don't know you already, like, what can you just give us the world of what is your business, what do you do, and we'll dive in. I am in... I am an equine gestalt coach. Uh, the name of my business is Xanthus Center. And as you said, I work out of uh, just south of Boulder, Colorado. Got it. Love it. Thomas, how about you? And what is your role in this uh, whole thing? <laughs> well, I play a supportive role for Jacqueline's work. Um, you know, I help maintain uh, the ranch that we have and I horse handle during the sessions as well. Cool. Got it. So your the work at Xanthus is primarily for who? I work with primarily uh, youth in crisis, uh, ages um, 12, 13-ish uh, to 25. Wow. Wow. Yeah, it's a big range. So that is a big 18 range. to young adult. How many will you work with at one time and how long do they work with you? Um, I um, mostly do individual sessions, so I work with one client at a time, and a session generally takes about two hours, um, depending upon the attention span and what's going on with the client. Sometimes a little shorter, sometimes a little longer, so on average about two hours. Do they, because they're youth in crisis, I would imagine they need more than, there's more than a two-hour session over the course of the time you work with them. How long is the season that you'll sort of work with them in? You know, it's, it is individual. Again, um, some clients I will see because they want to come back every week. Hmm. Um, other clients I may see just once. Um, they, uh, they come and go. I may see a client one or two times. They leave the area for a while. And then six months later, they come back and they want to see me again. So it really is individual and it varies. Wow. Yeah, I would imagine. I mean, everybody has their own unique circumstance and situation. Right. If you give me um, sort of the world of when people come in, you said they're in crisis, that can mean a lot of things. But what, like, what is it like when they come in? And then what's the transformation or the, the change you see when they, when they leave? Uh, well, the, the clients that are referred to me from an organization that I have a relationship with, a working relationship with. Yeah. So about 45% of those clients have slept somewhere that is not meant for a human being to sleep the night before they go into that center. So they are on the streets without family, without support. Um, they have 100% of them have experienced some sort of trauma hmm. and some sort of uh, negative life circumstances. Wow. They are, um, as you can imagine, they are feeling shame, guilt, anxiety, frustration, anger, any, any place in between that because of their circumstances and what has happened to them. Right. right. And when they're, when they do the work with you, what do you notice shifts in them? How do they sort of, how are they when they're, when they move on from the sessions with you? Sure. Uh, they have gone from this with these negative painful emotions that are fracturing, um, fragmenting their lives to uh, more positive emotions, they, to a place of wholeness 
where they have greater self-esteem, greater self-awareness, and greater acceptance of their situation, they are able to go forward. They can complete their uh, high school training, they uh, can get jobs, they find a place to live, they go on and become productive. Um, we have seen that over and over and that I am a part of that process. And I have to say that the organization that refers the clients to me helps with the education, yeah. helps with the jobs. I love it. So good. I, I, I'm excited for this particular conversation because we've done uh, r- roughly 29, 30 episodes up till now um, talking with other Gestalt practitioners, equine Gestalt practitioners who, you know, um, speak to the, the amazing type of uh, results and even the amazing <laughs> mysterious work that happens, right? It's very, to me, it's very mysterious how it works this way. And it does. But I feel like in this conversation, we get to start to bring some quant- quantifiable um, conversation to what's happening here based on what the kind of research that you all have done. So, Let's go there for a minute in the conversation. Like walk me through, you did a research study, yes? Yes. yes. Yeah, walk me through some of what that was. What was the hypothesis? What, was the, what were your findings? Like walk me through some of that. Sure. Well, as I said, we were seeing these huge changes in the, cl- in the clients, um, in the youth that I work with. The staff of the organization that refers the clients were seeing changes. And we said, that we would like to quantify this. There has to be a way that we can demonstrate this, Um, not just anecdotally talk about it, but actually demonstrate it in a scientific way that what's happening here is real and it's resulting in behavioral change. So um, I'll let Thomas take over from there because he was more of the guru around how to put this together. Mm. Yeah. Super curious. Yeah, Chris, I was really impressed by the outcomes I was seeing uh, that Jacqueline was, Jacqueline was achieving. Uh, you know, I have a background in mental health. I am a licensed mental health professional and um, had been involved in some subsequent research, uh, you know, to what um, we have done in as well as, as previous research, you know, projects as well. And I was seeing these outcomes and I had not experienced you know, outcomes, uh, such favorable outcomes, uh, you know, at the level that uh, Jacqueline was, you know, experiencing with her clients. So we had a conversation about uh, what we could do to, to really, you know, quantify that, to really represent that, you know, in, in a scientific way. Mm-hmm. And, and more specifically, you know, what would the uh, statistics look like, uh, you know, for the population, you know, that she was serving? So we went there by developing an instrument, a survey instrument, it's called the Likert Item Survey Instrument. Mm-hmm. And it uses statements and, and uh, it asks for responses, uh, you know, from uh, those who are taking the survey. Um, and uh, those responses are, are measured, they're scaled. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they choose from five responses. The statement is made and then the client can either strongly agree with that statement, they can agree with that statement, they can be neutral and neither agree nor disagree, they can disagree or strongly disagree. Right. So we, we, made, we made the survey um, that represented four statements that uh, they were given an opportunity to respond to in that measured way, in that scaled way. Uh, 
you know, the first statement had to do with uh, how they felt about their future uh, going forward from uh, the completion, uh, you know, of the of the session. Uh, the second statement had to do with how they felt about themselves, which represented, you know, a change in self-esteem. Um, again, subsequent to what, uh, you know, uh, experience they had, you know, with Jacqueline. And then the third one spoke to um, their impressions around whether or not they felt that the, uh, the practitioner, the coach, uh, you know, was professional and, and accomplished the goals and objectives that they had set out to do. And, and then the last one was whether or not they uh, felt they would return for further sessions. And so for the research study, we focused on the first two questions. We looked at behavioral change in terms of your feelings of hopelessness and helplessness. That was the first statement. And, this, and the second statement had to do with the level of self-esteem and the behavioral changes that occurred there. Wow. Yeah. And, what were the and, findings uh, coming out of the study? What did you notice? Well, uh, you know, you, you mentioned the hypothesis. Our hypothesis, you know, for the study was that, that um, there was a relationship uh, that existed between using the EGCN method, that methodology, and the behavioral change that we were seeing in the clients. Mm -hmm. And we represented that, uh, you know, as the two variables that we chose to, to examine, uh, you know, in the research study. Um, well, surprisingly enough, you know, when we started this, you know, we, we collected data for a year and, wow. and that data came from the population that, you know, Jacqueline was teaching. So that, that was the groundbreaking study. Mm -hmm. So that first year we collected data um, and we had that represented by, you know, a sample and uh, we evaluated the sample and we used descriptive statistics to uh, evaluate that data. And that data was indicating that um, the statistical mode for those two questions, um, you know, that, that we were having the graded response to, the measured response to, the statistical mode was strongly agree. So we were looking at that and each time a person, you know, responded to those two statements, really, they were statements, that they strongly agreed with that statement. The first one was suggesting that they actually were feeling better about their future mm. each time they left that session. Mm -hmm. And for the second statement, they actually were indicating with that strongly agreed response, that selection that they made, that they were feeling better about themselves at the conclusion of that statement. So we were getting these responses that was the mode for the, for the two statements that we chose to really focus our efforts and energies on. And the mode being the most frequently seen response. Got it, yeah. Yeah, so the, dat, the data was indicating that for those two questions, the greater majority of the responses we were getting for those two statements was, was, was strongly agree. Um, and then the only other response we were getting, save for one or two outliers, uh, initially, you know, with uh, Jacqueline's data, was agree. So, yeah. so a, right. a, a huge percentage of the responses were falling between strongly agree and agree. And, um, you know, we were, we were taking that as a real indicator, suggestive to us that there was a, a 
a relationship there, some kind of relationship between the methodology that was being used and behavioral change that was occurring. In Did you notice, um, I, I, when I hear you, we spent a little time talking before we hit record and, and even now I can hear there's um, some excitement, even, um, what's it, uh, it's even lighter than that, like, right? Like that, that oh, look what, like, what, look what we found, this is incredible. And I, but I also know that when you work with horses and you do this type of work, you see the transformation, you see the change. So what was, what was it about the study that surprised you? Because it seems like you would have guessed that was the outcome anyway. So what was so cool and revelatory about this being evidenced in a study? Does that make sense? Yep. Well, my answer based on how it makes sense to me is that it was incredible to see and experience these clients and sit with them when they first come in. Even if the clients that I see over multiple sessions, it's the same at the beginning of the session to the end of the session. Mm. To come in feeling shame and guilt and anger and frustration and confusion and spending time with me as the coach and the horse as the co-coach to be able to connect with the answers that they know to be true for them on the inside and to come away more whole, healed, yeah. clear, and not moving on to those more positive emotions. I feel better about myself. I feel optimistic about my future. That's beyond words. I mean, indescribable to actually... You know, they would say things like, I loved this. This was amazing. But for them to actually put on paper, I feel better about my future. And I strongly agree with that statement. Yeah. It was very uh, fulfilling and mm -hmm. rewarding and mm -hmm. yeah. uh, surprising, actually. I love the, um, if I were thinking of, as a practitioner, which I'm not, but if I were a practitioner practicing this, and I would think, um, that, that I had found this uh, amazing um, ability to um, help people heal and, and um, step into what's next for their life, that it would always be my own sort of mysterious thing that I do. But the minute there's, that there's a study with quantifiable results that I could say to the world, like, look, it's not just me that like thinks this is cool. Like it's here, it's, we've quantified it. It's actually here um, and we have evidence. And I think that that's a big, um, it's a super big win for, what you all are doing with this type of work, for sure. I agree, and what is really important to me and to us is that a lot of the studies that have been done have been in the perception of the coach or the therapist. Hmm. This study was done from the perception of the client. It doesn't matter if I think they're doing yeah. better. What do they think? Yeah. What are they feeling? How are they feeling about themselves? So I think that makes what we did really unique. Yeah. And you know, it's just a follow on to the method being different and unique as well. And, and right. the ability to make these hugely significant changes in a short period of time. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's another one we've heard over many, many episodes now is how quick the change happens, partly because partnering with the horse and the immediate feedback you get from the horse, but also because of the gestaltness of it all, where you're, you're getting, we're not talking about things over and over again, but you're getting into a place of somatic, you know, being somatic process, getting to your own answers and then being able to move on from exactly. the story. 
you know, and I had shared at the beginning that 100% of my clients have experienced trauma. And today there's a lot of talk about being trauma informed that you don't want yeah. to re-traumatize. And what I love about this method is we not only do not re-traumatize, we re-empower mm. the client. They're re-empowered. And that's rewarding also and uh, very timely. And I think that is um, a significant part of the healing or why the healing takes place so quickly. Yeah. They're not reliving their trauma. They're, we're re-empowering them, yeah. helping them to re-empower. Mm -hmm. I love that distinction. That's really good. Yeah, that's really good. So the exciting part for me, Chris, was like when we did make a decision in favor of quantifying the outcomes, I mean, we were able to come up with uh, an instrument, you know, in, in the research world is recognized as being, you know, valid and reliable, and that's the Likert Item Survey. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that's recognized as, as, being, as being something that, you know, has genuine validity and reliability, you know, in the research community. So we were using that, which was really exciting. We were getting these consistent outcomes, mm -hmm. um, you know, in favor of, uh, you know, the hypothesis that, you know, we believe there to be a relationship between the EGC method and then, you know, the changes that we were seeing, the emotional changes, you know, the changes in the feelings about their future, uh, you know, as well as themselves. So that in itself was exciting. And then, you know, in research, you know, really to validate your outcomes going forward, um, there's an expectation that you can replicate, you know, those outcomes. Yeah. And so... That's when, you know, we moved into that broader study, you know, that we can talk about, you know, and what we discovered, uh, you know, uh, through that process as well. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's exciting to, to look at how powerful this particular technique is, this, you know, this method is. I mean, this is taking, um, you know, psychotherapy out of the realm of, you know, convention, traditional, you know, psychotherapy, sitting in an office yeah. and partnering uh, with an animal, a horse, a sentient being, yeah. um, you know, and getting these kinds of, of, of outcomes. And, and it should, we should also share that the population that Jacqueline was working with, I mean, they're treatment savvy, they're <laughs> therapy savvy. You know, you say to them, you're going to therapy, I mean, you know, they, they balk at that. Not only do they balk at that, they know how to work that, you know, that particular set yeah. of circumstances. Good I mean, point. Really good point. Compelled, compelled to do it. Yeah. You know, they may show up, but I mean, you know, the lack of motivation to really actively participate is slim to nil. They experience this, you know, um, you know, Jacqueline in partnership, um, you know, with the equine and the whole crux of what they do is that partnership between Jacqueline, the horse, you know, and the client, I mean, that takes them out of their, their comfort zone. That puts them in a whole different place. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's an, it's amazing to see how they react and respond to that, yeah. you know, and actually have a willingness to participate. It's a really good points. I feel like um, they're, uh, I worked at Starbucks out of college and uh, you know, I mean, yeah. Starbucks grew, they were able to scale the way they scaled because of consistency and a result. I think people came to trust the product. They'd be like, 
and I know if no matter where I get the my coffee, it's going to have the same flavor profile or whatever. And I think a lot of times in um, counseling or in um, healing, any, any this type of work, it's it would be very individualized. So to your point of like being able to see that it produces a consistent result, it says a lot for the methodology, right? I mean, you can't speak if somebody's using horses outside the methodology, you can't speak to that. But what you could say is that there is a predictable response when the method is adhered to. And that study is the thing that, that actually proves that, which is now you have the ability to heal and, and help, um, I would imagine, at a, I don't know if you want to say scalable level, but to the degree that the method gets in the hand of, uh, hands of effective practitioners, you could now create predictable results at scale. I mean, I'm, I'm, it's my hypothesis, right? That's my hypothesis. I have to go test that. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, with there being that partnership between the practitioner, the coach, and the client, the client, you know, has to be willing to do the work. I was also going to say, it I, does I, require I, the client participating and, and wanting to be a part of that. And the horses are amazing at helping facilitate that. I was going to say, I think as a, if I were a, um, a client, um, somebody participating in this and I saw that there was a study, um, that also would, I don't know if it would prime me for like, I think if you go into something like therapy and you feel like it's more of the same, like you said, like they're savvy, like they're, <laughs> they're therapy savvy. So they, but, but to see that this actually worked for others and I'm coming into therapy that has been proven to work, how I show up in that experience, I think would be different. So I also think that's another benefit or um, blessing that the, the, the study actually gets to create um, for people receiving sure. this type of work. Sure, they can have confidence when they yeah. come to see a practitioner that uh, this does work. Right. Yeah. Or I guess maybe people that aren't therapy savvy might say, well, can this work for me? I get that it can work for others, but can it work for me? And to have a study that validates that like this is a consistent finding is, a, is an amazing thing to have. I love it. Is there anything else that you two want to share about this, the study or how, how it has grown into other places at all? Anything? Chris, could you repeat the question? Because we lost our connection. Oh. <laughs> asking that connection. Yes. I was just curious, what, is there anything else that you want to say about um, this work, the study, any um, expansion of the study, any, anything else there that you want to say in our time together? Well, I think um, the fact that we could expand the population from youth in crisis and young adults mm -hmm. to uh, the next step was uh, six different practitioners of the EGC method in six different populations that included professionals, uh, people who were dealing with addiction and addiction recovery, uh, younger youth that were at risk, mm -hmm. uh, business people, and the, the results were consistent. We, we've achieved the same results. And you can speak a little, mm -hmm. the numbers. So now we have over 200, I think it's 225, but I'll just say 200 pieces of data and sessions from six different practitioners that have gone into this. So it's a, it's a significant amount of data. That was a second study. That was the second study. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Chris, the second study. Yeah. I think we were 
I think closer to 271, I think was the the pieces of data that we had. I know it was, it was continuous, uh, you know, so we were, we were tracking it as the information came in. So I think we ended up with 271. And um, like Jacqueline said, it was over six populations, um, you know, that we collected the data from, you know, the coaches that were working with those populations. And um, what we saw uh, statistically, again, when we went to analyze it, was the mode continued to be that, you know, that response strongly agreed to to those statements, those first two statements of the four statements that were represented by the survey. Mm -hmm. Um, That was the predominant response, the mode was the predominant Mm -hmm. response. Um, the second most uh, predominant response or mode was, if you will, um, was agree. And then, you know, there, there were um, some other minor representations as, as to the remainder of, of the responses in the study. None of those responses, however, rose to any, anything that was statistically significant. Right, right. Um, yeah. So, you know, what we had was uh, uh, results that was quite similar to what um, you know, Jacqueline had experienced that from that first uh, year-long study that we did, uh, you know, predicated upon her, her outcomes. That's amazing. It was, it was really, it was really exciting. I mean, that, that clearly was, you yeah. know, replicating the results that we got with that initial study. Yeah, I love the idea that you're taking it now across multiple populations, which, you know, you could say one group of people, let's say it's groups of people who just want therapy or used to therapy or whatever, like that would be but that it's consistent across populations now actually is even more important because it suggests that, right, we can, like this type of work is good for <laughs> humans. <laughs> it's good for yeah. humans. And with different practitioners. So right, good point. that shows the effectiveness yeah. of the method and the training that we received of the method. And now, you know, you have business people and professionals saying, yes, I received professional uh, services during this session. Um, so I think that speaks yeah. tremendously to the teaching and the, the quality of the education and training that you get. I love the implications for um, this, that um, if you look across a spectrum of problems that we experience, um, that it seems, which to me would represent different populations. So it could, if it were divorce um, and what, happen, what happens with parenting and divorce or uh, single mom, like um, it could go into inner cities. There's all sorts of places now we can start to look at um, who could be helped and who could be served um, with this type of work. I, I love the implications of the study. Yeah, it's really powerful, really powerful. Well, if people want to learn about what you do um, at at uh, uh, Xanthus, I always I always want to say uh, some other words. Xanthus. By the way, Xanthus was who? Xanthus is a horse from Greek mythology. He was actually one of Achilles' horses. There were pairs, Xanthus and Thales, uh, but they had a unique relationship. And what um, I love about that in Greek mythology, Xanthus could speak. Mm-hmm. And he could share his thoughts and his wisdom with Achilles. Wow. And they had this wonderful, loving relationship. And that is the type of relationship that 
I desire to have with my horses, my equines, and that I want them to have with my clients as well. So that's why I chose that name. It's a little bit hard to say, but there's a lot of meaning and heart in it for me. I love it. So if people want to connect with you, learn more about the work that you do, um, they can go to xanthuscenter.com, yes? Yes, that is it. X-A-N-T-H-U-S center.com. Beautiful. Thomas, Jacqueline, thank you for spending time with me and I love all the work that you're doing with the study. That's so great. And uh, all the work you're doing with, with at-risk uh, youth. Thank you for your time and we'll catch you another time. Thank That's you, great, Chris. Chris. Thank Thanks you so much. for what you do.